0: This is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 193. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute something to every issue of Freaky, so please check it out. Hey kids, have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners. Get a free sample copy in the mail. Made of smelly newsprint
1: and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to
0: theslowpoisoner at gmail.com. That's theslowpoisoner at gmail.com while supplies last.
2: So now it's Mark Arnold's latest book called Pac-Man, the first animated show based upon a video game. This book tells the story of Pac-Man phenomenon and goes through the entire history of the Hanna-Barbera Animation Studios, the history of the video game, pre-Pac-Man, the history of Pac-Man, the character, the video game, the spin-off, the merchandise, and the animated TV series. Each and every episode of the classic 1980 series is covered and examined. Plus, Mark Arnold covers how Pac-Man has been honored on various anniversaries, including the 40th anniversary in 2021, a fun read for casual and hardcore Pac-Man and video game fans alike, featuring many character model sheets and other images. Available online through Bear Manor Media, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Get your copy today.
1: Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself.
0: Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay, and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. I'm currently working on articles about Nightmare of the Galloping Ghost and the Harvey Comics superheroes for Back Issue and Alter Ego, respectively. My Mad Book is being proofread, and my second Disney book is almost done, and I am currently working on TV cartoons that time forgot. Be sure to buy my latest books, the TTV Scrapbook and the Pac-Man book. On today's show, we have something very special that couldn't wait until the 200th episode to upload. It's the reunion of the 60s pop group, The Circle, famous for their hit, Red Rubber Ball. The entire touring group, along with producer Dan Coston, is here to discuss their reunion, and their tour, and their latest album. Here they are, Dan Coston with The Circle. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and I have a big group of people today on the Fun Ideas podcast. Who I have with me, I will introduce, is uh, the 60s pop group, The Circle. They've reunited Yay. specifically just for the show. No, 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 no. They've done a new <laughs> album. And uh, I also have with us the producer of the new album, and he's been a guest many times, Dan Coston. And uh, I'm going to switch it over to Pat McLaughlin uh, so you can introduce everyone sure. in the band because I don't know everybody by sight and name at the same time.
1: <laughs> I, I can understand that. And if it's okay with you, Mark, I'm going to introduce everybody in alphabetical order according to height. Sounds good. <laughs> so I don't know how people are shown on the stage here, but we'll start with our lead guitar player, Don White. Don, wave so they know it's you. And then our drummer is Scott Langley. There he is right there waving. On uh, bass guitar is um, Dean Castran, calling in from Mansfield, Ohio tonight. Cold Mansfield. And then we also have the keyboard player, one of the founding members of the band, Mike Loskamp. And then with the gentleman in the far, well, it's on my screens to the right, and wearing the circle hat is the true founding member. He started the band before it was the circle. Don Danneman, everybody. All right. So I hand the ball back to you, Mark, and we'll answer questions as you you,
0: like. You need to introduce yourself. What do you do?
1: Oh, I'm excuse (laughs) me. I'm I'm (laughs) I even got my name memorized. Uh it's it's Pat McLaughlin, and I'm vocalist, hand percussion, and guitar.
0: Very good. Okay. All right. Uh so um it's going to be odd talking to so many people at once, so I don't know who to, uh, to send this around to, but it might be for Don because he was there. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about how the circle came about and also how you changed your name or where you got the Rondells in the first place and how it changed to the circle.
3: Okay, the, uh, the Rondells basically was a college fraternity band. We started at a freshman mixer in uh, 1961 and uh, we, we just the guys got to, a random thing happened when the guys got together during the break of the regular band and we started a band <laughs> did really well we were the fraternity band to get in 1964 we bought long-haired wigs and did a Beatles show and it, it went over so well And basically, without going into long, gory details, it got us to Atlantic City. It got us to the Alibi Bar. It got us heard by Nat Weiss. Excuse me, I'm chewing gum and I'm going to get rid of it. (laughs) It it got us heard by Nat Weiss, partner to Beatle manager Brian Epstein. It got us a management contract with them. It got us a Columbia record contract. It got us to hear Red Rubber Ball. uh, And it got us on the Beatles tour. And it got us our name. Wow. Uh, In our show, we talk about some of the details of that, including how we got our name when Brian, because we were still the Rondells at Lafayette College. And Brian came into the studio and handed me a business card on the card it said Brian Epstein's standard business card. On the back was a scribble, Sir Kerr, I don't know what it is. You know, I did. And basically, he said in a charming English accent, "Oh, Don, read the back. Notice it's the Circle, C Y R K L E, and it has the funny spelling. And it was John that came up with the spelling." And he asked the boys in Britain to come up with a name for their new American group. And it was John that came up with Circle, C-Y-R-K-L-E. In a nutshell, in a, you know, one minute synopsis, that's kind of the story.
0: Very cool. And did you ever meet, well, I guess that's the, that's a dumb question. (laughs) Um uh the the question next would be since you went on tour with the Beatles uh in 66 uh did you meet up with them did you hang out with them or were you kind of like your own separate thing these are the Beatles and you're over here um, and, and they're, anybody they're, can answer these. If they, you know if they're part of the thing too. So yeah, but go ahead. Well, I, I
3: was the only one there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. I know so, so far. Yeah. Yes.
3: Sorry about that, but you know yeah. we'll, we'll get off. to other things where the other guys can answer. But um, <laughs> I was but fascinated. basically, th- there's also stories that go on in in the show. But it, in a nutshell, um, they were in part walled walled or off, and we didn't, and yet we also did. The first meeting, we met Paul on the plane and it was very cordial. You know, we got to shake hands and he seemed to be a pretty good guy. Mm -hmm. Um, We got to uh, uh, the first actual formal meeting was in. uh, It wasn't actually until the third show. And they called us back in, in the dressing room and we got to actually meet all four and sit around and shake hands and and chat. And I ended up with a very lovely, warm, nice chat with George, actually. Yeah, he was a very warm, sweet guy. Um, we got and at various times we would get to hang out, you know, I mean, just thinking back, playing cards with Paul and Ringo. <laughs> just a bunch of guys playing cards. They were very cognizant of, yeah, we're Beatles, but we're regular guys, too. Right. Like that. John Lennon, every once in a while, he'd walk over and say, you guys learned to spell yet? you know as in the name of the <laughs> spelling he would do <laughs> so yeah we got the hang a bit
4: yeah
0: that's good um did you also get to hang with uh brian epstein as well uh since yeah, oh, yeah. The okay so yeah. he was was he like a real manager or was he just like you know get on the plane let's go <laughs> you know, whatever you know i mean
2: <laughs> well he he,
3: were, he was in england of course and he was back and forth yeah uh so the and he he did overseeing but the hands-on manager was his partner nat weiss mm-hmm. who was an american lawyer and uh, they had an office Emperor records and Nem- artist was uh was their name and uh yeah nat was a great guy we loved him a lot mm-hmm.
0: now when you did those 66 concerts um what were they like? I mean, I've heard recordings just of the Beatles material on certain dates like Candlestick Park and a few others. But uh, did the, the girls scream the entire time or did they just do it for the Beatles? Or was it sporadic? What was going on there? Because they never really talk about what, the, what was going on with the other groups. It's always Beatles, Beatles, Beatles.
3: Well, I, I will share two things. <laughs> okay, the first one is at the first concert which was Chicago. And we were really nervous to go on because we thought exactly what you're thinking. Oh, we want the Beatles, get them off the boo, boo, boo. (laughs) No, they whooped and hollered and cheered when we went on. Now, we did actually have two hit records at the time, So when they announced us, we were very pleasantly surprised to hear whoops and hollers and very enthusiastic, yay, great, wow, wow. So we... We did okay, and then once we heard that, we could play and relax, it was pretty nice. Um, the, the, The one other thing that I will share with you, and they were all that way, by the way, all the concerts were that way, but the one other thing that really was a killer is that in, I think it was St. Louis, it was threatening rain, and right before we were supposed to go on, they yanked us. And they said, sorry, guys, we got to get the Beatles on. It might rain. So, of course, it was a drag, you know, like, but we understood, you know, no problem. Anyway, the Beatles finished up and uh, it wasn't raining yet. And so they said, all right, guys, you're going on. (laughs) And we looked at it. We said, you're kidding. We're going to follow the Beatles. Yep, you're going to follow the Beatles. So we went on. And I never thought about this. So I'll tell it as I would tell it to myself. And then I'm going to quote bandmate Pat, who (laughs) actually brought this up. I would say we played to, you know, a lot, of course people are shuffling out as we're playing, but I would say about at least a third stayed and cheered. And we played to a good third of that audience with great applause and cheers. And it was really cool. And I never thought, my feeling was okay, we're just playing to a third of these people. And well, what Pat said to me when I told him this story is, Don, are you kidding? You played for 20,000 people and they <laughs> cheered and hollered and stayed. You did great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I will show my copy of your big first big hit, Red Rubber Ball, in a nice. Yep mint uh picture sleeve from columbia records oh it looks <laughs> a little like ring ringwear, a little uh and then oh, uh, hmm. daniel has the red vinyl promo wow. yeah mine's only in on yeah. black vinyl <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um uh I'll probably ask uh, other questions later if we get time, but uh, just want to keep moving on. So uh, you had your first album, which was called, what was the first album called? I, I don't have it. Red yet. Rubber
5: Ball. It, it was just called Red Rubber
0: Ball. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was just the greatest hits. And then the second one was called Neon. And yeah. then that's when this other gentleman, <laughs> <to my> right? <laughs> at least the way I see it, uh, Mike uh, <laughs> came to, into the picture. So how did that come about?
6: I actually joined the group in uh, 1966 and late like maybe late September of 66 and um, at that point they were in the process of recording the Neon album hmm. and so and the way that happened what the a friend of mine who was in the remains was the drummer for the remains Andy Smart hmm. he is the one who talked to them about and gave them my name because they he knew that they needed a keyboard player to replace uh, Earl Pickens, who was leaving, to continue medical school. So, so that's how I ended up, you know, being there. One day I was in Dayton, Ohio, playing at the Diamond Club, and about a week later, I was in New York. So, um, and uh, we were they were recording at the time, so I was involved with that, and um, I got to do my first actual lead vocal on a, an album on the Visit, which on the Neon album, so.
4: <laughs>
1: and we recorded like now. We re-recorded that song, <laughs> yes, too. Yeah, yes, we did. Yeah. yeah.
6: <laughs> and it's, it's different now on the re-record. It's, it's like with the, you know, digital equipment, it just sounds better. I don't know why, but I guess because of the equipment. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: but that's how I came few to work. years here. of technology there. But <laughs> right. But only 50 years. <laughs> um, hey, if
3: I could chime in sure um when sure. we when mike joined the band he had big shoes to fulfill because we did a lot of vocals harmony um the keyboards some of the keyboard parts well even just the part the keyboard on turn down day the middle and he picked that right up you know so mike was a real find we were very happy to get him yeah
0: cool and you know now that i've listened to all the albums uh, i actually prefer the neon album over the first one sorry (laughs) but um you know it's like that but the inevitable question is was Columbia dissatisfied or why was there not a quick third follow-up or a continuation it just seemed like there was like a soundtrack and then a couple singles and then it just kind of drifted off what happened at that point
3: well basically what happened is um even though our recordings and I think you bear it out by saying you like neon better than red rubber ball the recordings and the technique we got more professional we got better and more sophisticated but there is something about there are certain songs that for whatever reason they have amazing magic and there's something about red rubber ball and turn down day that had that magic And for some reason, you can't really put like a number on it or whatever. After that, it's like the magic wasn't fully there. The professionalism, the quality was all there, all really good. But the magic just wasn't quite right there. Hmm. So hard hard to say. And so um, what we found is that every single release Sold less than the one before it, and it just was a gradual. If you look at a graph, it just goes right down, you know. And so uh, we got a little dissatisfied. We broke up. We just went our separate ways. You know, Mark, I
1: I also have an opinion from a higher view, and um, the um, I think the past you asked about. Well, why didn't things continue on? And I think the death of Brian Epstein not only hurt the circle, but it also hurt. Billy J. Kramer and Dakotas and Jerry and the Pacemakers and Scylla Black and you know Fortunes—all those bands really didn't have any success after Epstein's passing, and it's I think in part because there was really no band leadership at that point, certainly not a business sense, and ultimately I think that's the reason the Beatles fall apart.
0: Yeah, I never really thought about it that way because you know I always think of just the type of music was changing, but uh, the Circle seemed to be keeping on, Neon right. seemed to be right in style with what was going on in 67 so you know and um, and
7: listen to their later singles up to reading her paper and other songs those are really great songs i i my favorite single from the circle is actually i wish you could be here backed with the visit uh for me that is my favorite circle single it just for whatever reason timing or whatever just didn't go higher up the charts than it should have so (laughs) the 60s was very a very competitive time
4: Mm mm-hmm
1: that's true. And if you look at the Columbia record label at that time, they had Paul Simon and Simon or Simon Garfunkel. They had the Birds, Paul Revere and the Raiders. They had Bob Dylan. They had Aretha Franklin. They've got a budget. Who's going to get the monies that they divvy out? I suspect marketing probably didn't divvy as much out to the circle as they might have did for the acts I just said. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: There are a lot like, of other acts that didn't get yeah, money. And of course, there's
0: Chicago. up and coming ones like Chicago and things like that that started. Right. You know, yeah. the, so crying the crying shame. The crying yeah. Shames
1: is a good example. The Crying Shames mm-hmm. were a really good band that really put out great content, but you wouldn't know it. I don't think Columbia really got behind them money-wise.
0: Yeah. So but I do have a copy of what I consider your best single. It's the Camaro single. <laughs> oh. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there. Uh, tell us a little bit how about how this one came about. And also there was a seven up one if you if you uh, don't mind, you know. Uh, how did these commercial endorsements come about?
3: Okay, Camaro, um, we, didn't, we didn't know anything about anything. All we knew was, we, we were told, I think, by our producer, John Simon, hey, show up at, at the studio one day. And he had done a track, uh, and he said, okay, start singing. And he showed us what to do, and we sang this... What is it It's Camaro. I haven't listened to it in a really long time. <laughs> um, anyway, so that actually was the, first, was the beginning, although we didn't know it or didn't even hardly think of it, but it was the beginning for bandmate Tom Dawes and I as the group broke up to get into commercials.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, Tom was, as the group was breaking up, Tom was ahead of me. I will no, you know, I I will totally admit that he led the way and he started. uh, uh, I'm not sure if he did it on his own or did he bug Nat to get him to do a commercial. But uh, Tom said, hey, I got I'm I'm writing a commercial for seven up. Same deal. Show up in the studio. Hmm. And we showed up and we sang it um and actually it is me singing the, the the opening lead on it what was it seven up seven up seven up the uncola yeah that that's me <laughs> and uh, anyway and that was the uh that was the beginning of him starting his commercial production company and i felt and realizing hey this sounds like a pretty neat thing as the group is breaking up and trying to figure out what am i going to do for the rest of my life um so i also i started a commercial production company and we both did really well we had nice careers
0: right you know i didn't know it was like immediately after but that makes perfect sense if you're already doing these type of promo spots and you go mm, money to be made here <laughs> in a career Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there, was, there was
3: one other one uh, pre us doing it ourselves yeah. and that was a commercial for great shakes um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Any place could be a soda fountain now with great shakes, new great shakes. That was a commercial that was done by many rock bands. Yes. <laughs> and also, same deal, we were, one day they said, hey, show up in the studio. And there was a, a, a band of studio musicians there and producers who were already, you know, people doing what we ended up doing, you know, guys that had a production company. They had done the arrangement and they told us what to sing and there it was Mm -hmm. and i would love to get a copy of it if anyone is listening out there that has a copy of the circle doing great shakes i have heard many other bands doing it
0: yeah
3: i mean including recently not that long ago Mm -hmm. copies exist yeah not ours (laughs)
4: i, well, I, I, I had no it. idea you did
0: but i did yeah. know people did the great shakes ones and love to get know, a copy of it. yeah. and it's funny in the 60s there's just like different bands just did that like the rolling stones did for rice krispies and, um, yeah. well even yeah. on this same record it's paul revere and the raiders on the other side doing yeah. Camaro. Yeah. turtles did camaro and uh let's see um uh Jefferson airplane did Levi's <laughs> just various what? different ones yeah
1: <laughs> hey Don, one don't, Don you forgot about the United Way commercial you guys did.
3: Oh okay how did it go? I don't even remember that <laughs> <laughs> but now that you say it yeah it sort of rings a bell but I don't know if anybody if you know it sing it to me I'll tell you if I remember
0: it.
7: I have an air check from Boston I think in late 67 where they ran that I will find I will send that to you. Send it to me yeah send <laughs> okay. it to me.
0: So, Mike, what did you do during this when, it, when everything is breaking up?
7: Uh... Well, I uh,
6: decided to go back to Dayton, and where I was from, Dayton, Ohio. And um, we formed a new group there called Green Light Sunday. And that group went on to have an album released on RCA in 19, early 1970. And I was writing original tunes back then. And we had a lot of original songs on that album. And then since then, I just, I kept playing, you know, I was with that band for 12 years up until 1980. And then I kept, I went on and I I finally got a real job (laughs) with the phone company. (laughs) And, um, but then I I would work with groups. So I worked with groups every week, every month, you know, uh, clear up until after retiring. And then I really got back into it even heavier. And uh, so after 29, 30 years of working, I got back to actually being able to you know make to not have to rush around and to get places and, and had some time to actually um, enjoy myself so mm-hmm. and that's what i'm doing now i guess
0: now you were the one who got this motley crew back together correct <laughs> basically well, actually
6: pat had a lot to do with it pat came to me and because we worked together at at&t yeah. and he came to me and said um have you ever thought about you know going out on tour and as a reunited circle. And so we talked a little bit about it and, and, I, and I said, I wondered about the name and Pat said that he was willing to like investigate to see if he could get control of the name and which he did. And uh, when, then he came back to me and said, Hey, I got control of the name. So he asked me if I knew of any of the other players that had, I, you know, the members had, i been in touch with them. No, I hadn't been. So, <laughs> and so, Aside from the fact that by email, one time when uh, Tommy Dawes passed away, I had sent an email to Don, and um, I didn't remember what it said, but anyway, that was the only contact. So we got together at my house, and um, we we're sitting at a table, me and Pat, and we were trying to find Don. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for some reason, we couldn't find him, <laughs> so, yeah. and uh, we eventually... Uh, we went through a whole list of names. I think there was like seven, like six or seven names and numbers to call. We were trying to locate Don's ex-wife, and the last number we called, she answered, and it was her. So, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> and Pat had he'll have to tell you about the discussion he had with her, but he he talked with her and uh, got a hold of uh, his son's, um, I guess his telephone number.
3: Right,
0: right.
6: We were texting him. And then uh, and he responded and gave the information to Don. And then, uh, the, you know, that's how we got back together. Don gave, well, I think, I don't know how it said, said, to call Don at a certain time, or I don't even remember the exact sequence now. But I, I ended up um, calling Don, and then Don got in touch with me uh, one night, and then we just talked about it and uh, decided to, you know, reunite. We already had a band in Columbus where I'm living now that band called gas pump jockeys and me and Pat were in that band and scott was also in that band and we had so we had that already together so we had like kind of a core band Mm -hmm. so with the with me and don being the original members or i wasn't exactly the original original member but i was there in 66 so Mm -hmm. me and don being there we were able to um convince people that we, we were the circle and we reunited. Don't
1: forget it. Don White was in that, that gas pump jockeys too. Right? That's right. Yeah. Sorry, Don, I forgot about you.
0: I'll never forgive you. <laughs> so um I guess uh, you know and then there there was a couple other members, correct, that you had or that have since passed since Yeah, uh, together, yeah we've you, had yeah. some
1: unfortunate luck with bass players in particular. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. yeah, we've had, um, we've lost two to cancer, one sadly to a car accident who had a heart attack while he was driving and crashed into a bridge, um, embankment or embankment, whatever that word is to hold the bridge up. And, uh, so, um, Dean here, he wasn't sure he wanted to join the band. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. We actually had someone before Dean also, and the first show he did with these guys, he had a minor... Minor stroke, and it was like oh, God. <laughs> so.
6: It was on stage too. It was remember? on
1: stage, yeah. So <laughs> we were genu- genuinely worried about Dean's well-being, but he seems to be holding up okay so far after 15 months with us.
4: Okay, and so this tell is- him about the you gonna tell him about the bass player that spontaneously combusted. <laughs> that's
7: later. Though. We're dedicating the album to him. The hit to him later. Uh, Mama yeah. best, I believe so. That's his name. yes yeah,
0: <laughs> <that's> right. <laughs> So um did everyone currently here play on this brand new album or okay so um mm-hmm. yeah. and mm-hmm. did it, anybody who is past also play on the album too I I don't know everyone that played No
4: um,
1: only Mike Shove came in and did did a yeah. few things pre-covid he left during, right after covid ended basically I don't know where your covid line is but he needed to go work and do other things now to make up the money he lost yeah. and that's how we were lucky enough to get Dean but uh, he's on four of the cuts for, or five of the cuts from the pre-covid recordings
4: got it
7: okay yeah he's on four tracks on this album uh okay. but i should mention too that since we mentioned tom dawes uh he is on two tracks uh on this new album via a recording that he did with my friend andrew sandoval in That's 2003 right. That's
1: right. isn't that this. amazing <laughs> i mean it's absolutely amazing
7: So I can tell you how that happened was I knew about that track from a CD that Andrew had given me at South by Southwest in Texas, about 20 years ago. And one night I was looking for another CD in this office and that CD popped out and I went, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. So I, wrote andrew and said here's a crazy idea and he said um actually i just transferred all those tracks to pro tools do you want them i said yes i'd love those it took about eight months of gentle reminding to get andrew to send me the tracks but when he did i said um don i think i've got something i actually originally gave that andrew's original recording of he can fly to don and said i'm not going to tell you anything about this song just listen to it and tell me what you think he said he wrote me back. I said, Oh, I think I like this. It's a decent song. I said, You recognize the background harmonies? It's Tom. And uh, that that just got the ball rolling. I will tell you that this that that part of this new album has just been a dream for me to watch yeah. that come to fruition.
3: It was very, very mind-blowingly special when Daniel told me that the background vocals of this song that he just randomly sent me because he didn't say anything about it. Just listen, here, what do you think? Um, And when he said, hey, the background vocals are bandmate Tommy Dawes, I went, oh my God. And because I had had a thought after he died and I I never did anything about it, but the thought was, wouldn't it be great to see if I could find any old recordings of his and use his vocals and write a song that had something to do with us, you know, that was personal and sing with him again. Mm-hmm. And so, and I told this to Daniel and Daniel got permission from Mark Sandoval to do it, to say, yeah, take the, do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. So I got uh, Tommy's vocal tracks and um, the only Actual word he sang was fly. And so I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? How can I do? And I ended up with a song called We Thought We Could Fly. And basically, it's our history, starting from the Rondells at that first, you know, freshman mixer that I mentioned Hmm. before. And, you know, of course, you can't do everything in a song, but it kind of quickly goes through um, what we did. You know, mm-hmm. the history, including the fact that we were about to start a band as retirees in 2007 and he dies on me mm-hmm. and it was really sad. Um, uh, so I was able to lay out the vocals. Uh, I had to change pitches in a few places to change chords to, to make it work. Uh, and I, w- I was so thrilled to be able to do a song and, and uh, we put together a video where I sang, I lip synced in a bunch of different ways on camera and we supered all sorts of pictures of Tommy, you know, moving around back and forth and all kinds of stuff, including playing together on on some videos. And it was just thrilling for me to do. And then Andrew uh, asked in this process, hey, would you mind re-singing the lead on his original song that started the whole process. And I was thrilled to do it. I mean, I I thought he did a good job and I was a little nervous, like, oh, I don't know. Will I really do any better? And actually it was one or two takes. I was very, I was actually, I blew myself away because it was a good vocal. (laughs) And and there I was singing with Tommy again. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. very cool. So there's two songs where I get to sing with deceased bandmate, Tommy Dawes.
7: Very cool. Yeah, he sent the track to me and Andrew late one night I was at a show I ended up leaving the show early and running home and playing it on my phone I think I played it seven times in a row I was just this is a fan as somebody who loves this music this was this was just like this is really happening this whole record is really
1: happening Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and Mark I'd like to point out that you've seen um uh the um Natalie Cole singing with her father. You see Hank Williams uh, Jr. singing with his his father. And um, The Beatles certainly made an effort to take a Lennon composition, but Don created a whole new song Mm -hmm. and then put his deceased bandmate in the song. That's, Uh, that's, to my knowledge, never been done before.
7: Yeah. Yeah. And I I knew Don was capable of doing that. That's one of the reasons why I didn't tell him who it was when I first sent him the song. I wanted him to hear it with his own ears and start thinking about it as he got more information so uh
3: yeah it was an amazing process for me and daniel thank you for sending yeah. it, it yeah. very cool yeah thank you
0: now this t- entire album how what was the time period because i mean we've had like stops and starts as a pandemic and everything from when did you first conceive of doing a new studio album to oh now it's complete
1: <laughs> you uh, you want to take that one, Daniel? <laughs> I'll
7: take that one. <laughs> okay. So I first saw the circle in uh, Van Wert, Ohio, which is as uh, remote as it sounds, in the summer of 2018. I think it was your first headline show. You guys did yeah. two sets that night, yeah. yeah. And I drove 10 hours, saw the show, photographed the show. Daniel,
3: say, say, say again when you heard us. I think you said 22.
7: Sorry, sorry. Summer 2018. I want to say it was 18, June. 5. Yeah, I think
3: it was that. Yeah, 18, right? Yeah. Yeah,
7: in Van Wert. And um, I initially was gonna pitch an idea of the, a book, a story of the circle to them. And then this whole thing of, well, the book's nice, but I really wanna hear a new record. And uh, I've always felt that creatively you create the things you would, it'd be cool if somebody else made a new album by the circle, then you realize it's you that should make or be oversee this. So I eventually brought it to Don and Mike and Pat and the band and said, here's a crazy idea. What if you got to make the record that you didn't get to make in the late 60s? And that was the initial jumping off point. It's like, you don't have to create something that sounds exactly like something they would have made in 1960, but it's a a counterpart. It is the circle taken 50, 55 years later. So we initially started working on this in late 2019. We got six songs recorded the weekend before the pandemic hit. In yeah. march of 2020 including the new versions of red rubber ball the circle sorry um turn down day the visit and a new version of uh feeling groovy 59th street bridge song which is a song they were offered in 1966 and turned down for a variety of reasons <laughs> I <didn't know> that. <laughs> and then um we got those released individually and then we finally got back in the studio in um fall of 2020 2021 and with some additional sessions, um, yeah, it was in 2021. And then Don has been working on his own and then sending stuff to the band. And uh, we've really been, we've been this close to finishing the record all year, but there were certain things. I know Don had things that he wanted right and the band wanted had things they wanted right. So in the long run, um, I'm really happy that we came, we put together a record that we're happy with. And I, I think it's, a, and, my biggest joy in saying this is a circle album this feels like a circle album mm-hmm. this feels like something that is a is could sit alongside the rec- the great records the records that i love that they made in the 60s
0: now we're all the parts recorded separately after the pandemic or was it all done separately over the time
7: we try to do as much as possible thankfully we've gotten everything done for those first several songs in the studio and we use a studio by uh, rusty yannick in um, johnstown ohio and so we got as much done in that studio as possible don would occasionally do stuff from his studio at at home and then uh, but we really tried to keep the band aesthetic as much as possible and that's one thing I'll say to anybody who's interested in doing a project like this like respect the band respect mm-hmm. the aesthetic and and make sure that it works for the band cuz mm-hmm. you know with this band there's there's a really great group of six guys here and right. you know obviously some people know some names more than others but it's a band and you have to you have to know that and respect that and so I'm really I'm glad that you know, I loved having Dean along in those last uh, few recording sessions including the one for Dance With Me Tonight um I, I think his his parts really do add an extra layer to those songs so I, yeah I, i'm 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 an unabashed fan i like this band i like this record
0: <laughs> no, no um go ahead i'm sorry no. oh i thought you were gonna <laughs> say something it looked like you're, uh, you know the no, movie, and right? i was so. agreeing with him <laughs> okay now yeah. one thing i didn't I, I skipped over in the little history here and then we go co- of course we are gonna talk about the current album again uh but you did manage to put out a live album in 2017 called full circle and uh uh i guess everybody except for uh dean's on this one right uh yeah that and, was correct. uh how did that one come about
1: uh i'll take that one guys so um before we did that show we had just been on conference calls with Don explaining the business model, nothing much about the art side of things. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I, there were two 90-minute calls. And that's when Don on the second call said, you know, you seem like nice men. think I'm coming. I'm going I'm to give this a, a try. And so he flies to our hometown of Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet with a guy who's a, at that time a manager for us. And um, he told us that we needed to do certain things And so we gave him all those materials. We took photos and things of that nature, gave him a package and he went down and he got us a a agency out of Nashville called Buddy Lee Attractions. So now that we had this, we needed to put together um, a, um, a package for them. And we really felt like the best thing to do is to get a concert put together. So we rented out a theater. We rented out camera people. We had a three and four camera shoot. We had a 24 track machine that we purchased. And then we just opened the theater up to anybody who would want to come see the show. We filled the house up and then we put on a legitimate show. And, and uh, it was that recording is the very first live recording of any Circle concert that I'm aware of, Don. And, and, um, but it's also this unit's first live performance um, uh, on it. The only difference was Roscoe was our bass player, uh, Mike Roscoe, and he passed from pancreatic cancer about a year and a half after that. Right. so uh, the rest of us were all on that album mm-hmm.
0: yeah and um you've gone uh, have you been uh, how how have you toured since i mean you, you obviously took a break during the pandemic so i mean so what years were you touring and then when did you stop and are you touring now the uh,
1: the answer would be yes and yes we i'm thinking back to i think our first stage show was maybe october 17 guys in, in new jersey yes Lakewood,
3: New Jersey, Australian. 17
1: Yeah. And yeah. then that was one of those, somebody couldn't do the show. So they said, well, well, we got this band over here and played together a long time and they put us on and we did very well. And the promoter was really happy with us. And so he started hiring us more frequently. And so we had a lot of shows to the point now that uh, I don't know how many we've done this year, maybe 25 to 30 shows, literally from the East coast of New York city to the West coast and san bernardino and we've gone from michigan to florida um top to bottom we really kind of give gave the united states a good look over this year and i don't know guys we're probably up to maybe 50 60 shows 70 shows i don't know with the pandemic so yep. things got screwed up a bit
6: no, we lost about 13 uh, or 15 shows with the pandemic because yeah everything from march 1st night or 2020 on was canceled Mike's right
1: about that the only thing I wouldn't agree with him on is the number I think it was more than 15 if you look at all the potential that was coming about for us we we really had to start anew and Mm -hmm. rebuild the brand again and get out there but the guys have been hustling and you know for what it's worth I think we're all still on a honeymoon with regards to touring Mm-hmm. there are a lot of people complain about it but we haven't had anybody really complains about touring yeah. it's it's still fun and exciting for us
0: now do you it's tour hard. with any other acts or are you just by yourself or yeah. who do you tour with
1: well again i'll let everybody jump in on this i mean we've okay. had uh, gary puckett the vogues dennis stefano of the of the buckinghams um we've done the cow sills Paul raiders. raiders yeah we've Did done, the
3: americans yeah Gary
1: Lewis, yeah, Gary Lewis, often the Jane Americans, um, we did uh, the Ohio Express, the Music Explosion, just recently the Outsiders. I mean, it's a really big list, and that doesn't include the uh, Flower Power Cruise, where God knows oh. how many acts we were on with that that package. Um, on it. I mean, I I I'd love to keep track of that, and I do, but I didn't wasn't ready for that number. But I'd say we probably perform with about thirty to forty people that we grew up with and admired. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of neat when you mm-hmm. think about it. Okay. So,
0: and let me uh kind of gear a question to Don White, Scott, and Dean here just to sure. kind of get them in the conversation a little bit more. Um, was it difficult learning these songs because obviously you were later members and everything? Were you fans of the group, the circle, or is it just like hey, I'm just doing something new? I don't know, <laughs>
1: Mark. Can I answer that question? For- no, go
0: ahead. <laughs> 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 I, I was
4: aware of the songs, um, when I was first. Asked to do the thing, and he said, well, "Why don't you come and Mike, uh, meet Mike Lowes' camp?" I said, "Okay, <laughs> I'll go." And we had we had lunch, and said, "Oh, he was with the Circle." I said, "Ah, huh, the Circle was, red rubber Ball. Said, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as far as learning the songs, uh, it, it was a pleasure to learn them. You know, I, I learned you know little intricacies from Don Daneman. And uh, some of the things he said, do it this way. I said, I'll screw it. I'll do it my way. He hasn't said anything since, no. Um, (laughs) uh, No, it it was a pleasure to learn the songs. It it wasn't really difficult. But uh, on the new album, the the, the new songs, you know, you you tried to not get too far out of of what the idea of the circle is. Right. Not, not try to go too far with it. And, uh, I think we achieve that. Uh, I like think everyone did a really good job on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah.
5: I'm, I'm going to point out that Don can say learning the old songs wasn't that difficult because he doesn't sing them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point.
3: <laughs> what you'll
5: find real fast with all the old circle songs is they're so um, heavily uh, based in harmony and all those harmonies are so intricate that um, it was a lot of time and a lot of effort uh, to come up with parts for everybody and and get it to sound right, get it to sound good enough for Don Mm -hmm. and good enough for, for us, you know uh, to be proud of it. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, odd chords, odd parts, odd notes in there that you wouldn't (laughs) expect. Um, but it sounds so good when it comes together and it's, and it's right.
8: And so I I knew of the circle from back in the sixties when, when I was playing out and I don't think we ever, uh, ran into each other so to speak, but I know there was, uh, at least one time we were in Pennsylvania and the circle was down the street from where we were. And We passed the club that they were playing in and the parking lot was full and we got to where we were going, which is only a couple of miles away. And it was like, you know, five or 10 cars. So so I knew they had something going, but we, but we really loved their music back then. And especially uh, we were big fans of Turn Down Day just because of the way the song was. So fast forward to, I don't know, Pat, what was it about 2018 that you and I, met and hooked up yeah. uh, through dale powers and yeah and uh, yeah we did we did a couple shows together in uh uh in akron and then also in the at the villages mm-hmm. in florida and uh of course met all the fellows then and and we we gelled uh, right away and uh, you know became good friends um and, and then when uh, uh when of course roscoe passed And then um, Mike was in the band and then Mike got out and they offered uh, me the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, was very flattered and humbled to to accept that. Um, I admired to no end uh, the the bass playing of Tommy Dawes. And so I wanted to get as, as close to uh, his his, um, style and bass playing in those songs when we do them. Uh, these, these guys may think, well, you're not even close, buddy. But t- to my ear, I'm trying. I'm trying to get there all the time to to, to be close. And and even even in the newer songs that, that we've done, uh, I, there's just a certain feel and a certain bounciness of Tommy's playing that I've tried to incorporate uh, rather than just learn. Um, one example is uh, the um, uh, what's what's the song, Pat? Um, it's not on this album it's on the next one that's a uh, uh, john schwab song oh,
1: oh yeah uh, nobody but a fool yeah
8: no, yeah rather than rather learn it from the cut that i heard i mean I, I attempted again in my own ear to to try and make it bouncy or a tommy dawes style because yeah. uh, because i i'm sincerely sincerely say that I, I just love his style of playing and and all those old records and wish i could have met him but uh, anyway that's that's a uh, that's my, my take on the whole
3: thing. Hey, you know, if I can make a comment on follow up on uh, Tommy's bass playing. Um, when the Ron back when the Rondells, we started out actually, there was no bass. <laughs> and Tommy, when Tommy got his first bass, the only thing we cared about was to do, like if we played the twist, for instance, the bass part is simple boom, 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 It was like nothing, just, you know, play quarter note bass notes. And Tommy would constantly experiment with fooling around with different bass lines. And it used to really annoy me at first, like, Tommy, you're not playing the right part, you know? And it wasn't until Turn Down Day that he came up with that amazing great bass part in Turn Down Day that I actually realized, wow, your fooling around was really worth it, you know. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah,
8: yeah, sure.
5: Mark, you you mentioned uh, or, or asked about learning what it was like learning some of the new songs, and so um, there, folks that get the CD and and listen to it, you'll find that there's a lot of. Um, Interesting bits and pieces in those songs that uh, that I think fit the circle, fit things that uh, were done on neon and and that sort of thing. Um, One of the the ones that that threw me personally at first till till I realized um, we were working on uh, Mike's song called uh, We Can Find It. And we as a band are playing through and Mike had kind of shown us the progressions and we're sort of sorting it out. And you get to a point in the song and everybody would lose one where one is where the downbeat is, you know, and, and you know, everybody stopped from we sort of scratching our heads and Mike didn't realize it at the time either. And, and so we kind of went back over it again. And, uh, and I realized that, Oh, Mike stuck in a measure of three in amongst the regular four, four time. <laughs> and so that's where everybody was tripping over losing, losing the one, you know, I yeah, hadn't um,
6: remembered it either. So <laughs> Right,
5: you didn't remember it either. So uh, there's lots of little things like that, though, in, in the music that's on this album and some of these songs um, that makes them interesting to listen to. They're not just straight 4-4 pop. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah.
7: And for me, that was always one of the hallmarks of the circle was you know, yeah. these on un- one un- un- level they're pop songs, but they're they're more than pop songs. Mm-hmm. There's these little the uh, intricacies, the harmony parts, the the guitar and bass parts. It's like, oh yeah, there's way more here. There's mm-hmm. it's you know, it's a much deeper cake than than you th- initially think you're eating. And and uh that's one of the things I always enjoyed. So I think this record is in a and again the, the people in this band allowed us to uh to take that further and, and you know create the record that hopefully you, everyone gets to listen to soon mm-hmm.
0: and does everybody have i guess I could just have everybody just kind of go around robin uh, a favorite moment or a favorite track on this new album that uh, people should be aware of when they're listening
6: well, I'm, well, I'm really happy with uh, the fact that I have two original songs on there that I wrote back in the seventies actually and and I've kind of updated them somewhat because they were never released. We recorded them with another band, but they were never released. And so I was just real happy to get to do those and see them and hear them coming out on a, on a new album. So I'm hoping people will enjoy those and we'll see what happens with that. But I think they're really good. Everybody played really well on them. And I was really happy with the way it came out.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I'll say um, two songs also that i'm both involved in one as a singer one as a writer uh, the dance with me tonight I, I just love doing that song and we have presented it to a lot of audiences now and we haven't missed yet we we're even being told in some cases that song is better than anything they heard in the entire show so we're pretty happy about that song and then i wrote a song about a guy being picked up by a girl in a bar and and uh <laughs> I, that didn't happen to me last night, by the way, honey. No. <laughs> However. As it never um,
5: happen any night.
1: That's right. That's right. You guys don't remember last night either. Anyway, the, the, um, uh, so uh, the guys didn't really warm up to it very well, but the one person that did was Don Daneman, And he, he we, we gave it to Don, and he I'm going to use this word that came out of the band. He circleized it. He took what I put together and made it sound like a circle song. And so it's very playful. There's a sense of humor to the song. And it's it's again, it stands out now by itself, makes me very proud. You got all these different styles of music. And here's one too, it has a little sense of humor and, and a little gospel-y, maybe feel to some of the stuff. You, you'll get, I think you'll get a kick out of it. And it's all, and of course, you got Don's voice singing it. So it sounds very much like the circle. It's kind of cool. So those are my two.
3: <laughs> well, for me, um... I actually have a lot of things that I think are really great in it. But I, I guess I have to say my favorites are the two songs I got to sing with Tommy yeah. because there's such an emotional connection there that it overrules whether you think the songs are the best or not. But I just love doing it. So I, I would say those are my favorite. The yeah. the uh, we, we can fly and we thought we could fly. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's up next? Scotty?
5: <laughs> yeah, Sure. Um, for me, it, it's two songs. Uh, one is the one that uh, I mentioned before, We Can Fly. Um, it's just a really cool song, and I had a blast playing the drum track for it, and, and I, I think it just came out really, really well. Um, the other one is our version of 59th Street Bridge song, or Feeling Groovy, which we do in our shows, and we've done since almost day one when we uh reunited the band uh, but we'd never recorded it and, and or anything gotten it out like we have here and I, I think when we first talked about it you know Don brought that story to us saying you know we got offered the song but we never actually did it you know I wonder what it would sound like if the circle had done it and I think you'll find it really does sound like what it would have been like if the circle yeah that's done. right mm-hmm. it really is yeah Vo- vocally and and rhythmically and, and all that i'm really really pleased with that one mm-hmm.
8: dean okay for me for me the two are the the ones that mike referenced and that's we can find it in singing for tomorrow um i don't have a copy of the album yet so i think those are both on there
5: it's in the mail uh, dean okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're on there, but I think it's the wrong title for singing for tomorrow. But that's all right.
7: Wow, well, yeah, it's close. <laughs> it, it, does, it does say singing for tomorrow, uh, per your request, Mike. So, yes,
6: actually, on the ti- on the list, it says sing for tomorrow.
5: Well,
7: I, I did fix it in the final
6: CD. <laughs> yeah. where, yes, yes, I saw yeah. some of it. It's the- been, it has no, been no, good. Yes. Either yeah. way, it's about singing for tomorrow. So, <laughs>
8: okay, well, I didn't mean to stir that up. But anyway, the, the, those two, <laughs> which,
1: which is weird, Mark, because you never can hear the song today. Yeah.
8: <laughs> I mean, those, were, those were both um, uh, again for me. They were very difficult to learn, and uh, I remember many practices we were going over, and Mike would stop the song in the middle and say, "Now, now, it's, it's you got it. This measure, you got. You're not counting right." And and we we go over and over, and, and you know, so I'd go home work on it, and you know, finally finally got it. I think to a, to a oh yeah. Presentable point. I mean, at least it's on the it's on the. Album, yeah, you but, do. But but anyway, they they. But uh, I liken them to, uh, you know, a lot of Mike's stuff is uh, similar to Steely Dan. Not, not that it sounds like Donald Fagen stuff, but the 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 complexity of it is reminds me of that. So uh, it was a lot of work to to try and learn those, and so you know, um, that was just a personal victory, so to speak.
0: Done. <laughs>
4: Well, I was thinking there was one point where we were recording, and I just kind of looked around at everyone and thought, God, I'm really lucky to be here. <laughs> you know, I'm having a great time, you know? And yeah. So Amen. it sounds like a cop out, but I enjoyed doing everything. Yeah, you know, I, I got to do some leads, uh, which was fun, and played also rhythm, and uh, Yeah, I mean, having Daniel there, uh, supervising and sticking his camera in your face.
7: (laughs) I tend to do that.
4: (laughs) So, yeah, just being uh, with the circle of being able to record was was a great thing. Yeah.
1: You know, if I can tell you, uh, going back to dance with me tonight, the night that we recorded that, there was a certain energy in the room and we ended up all standing behind a microphone (laughs) and just clapping and daniel's in there singing with us i mean it was really kind of it's during our breakdown so if you haven't heard it yet look for the breakdown you can hear daniel's voice very clearly yeah (laughs) Yeah.
7: it sounds like a producer singing yes yeah
1: Yeah. it was just neat energy it's it, it was some really fun times in the studio which you don't
7: always get And I'll mention, too, that we got Charlie Colello, who um, produced The the, the Circle's last recordings in 1967, to do the final mix for Dance With Me Tonight. So we've got Charlie Colello back um, for this recording. And people that's another name that has passed through The Circle's history. A lot of people will know his work on the Frank Sinatra album, Watertown, which is probably maybe my favorite Sinatra record. But um, I loved having Charlie's name on this record. So, you know, you got Charlie back, you got Tom Dawes. It's like, you know, and these guys. So, yeah, darn right it's a circle record.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool.
0: Now, Daniel, I asked you this separately uh, when we did our own podcast, but I'll ask it again. So, you got enough tracks to uh, do a second album. So, mm -hmm. uh, are you still recording or what's going on now at this
7: point? We we paused recording a bit to get this album done and uh, get over the last you know few hurdles but now it's something i want to you know when the guys are ready and something we'll discuss soon but i'm I'm ready to you know start talking about you know because i know they have more material i know mike has more material we have another two songs of mike's recorded and uh yeah i definitely i've I, i've told them all like this my involvement doesn't end with this record so i this is an ongoing project and uh i look forward to what comes next. So uh, I'll, 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 piggyback on their answers. I don't have a specific song, although I obviously have some favorites, but the day I came up with realized that side, to me, I see them as a, as an album it's side one and side two for me, the end of side one is he can fly. Uh, and obviously we thought good fly is the last song of side two. But then I realized that Don came in with this song called we were there, which is the story of the circle. And then I realized he was essentially, he'd written me the intro To bring bring in the new recordings of Red Rubber Ball and Turn Down Day, so on the album, you know, as we were there, uh, Turn Down Day, which opened their '66 tour, Mm -hmm. Red Rubber Ball, which was almost the set closer, and then we thought we could fly. So you literally get the history of the circle in four songs. And uh, those are things as someone who grew up on on records and sequencing and the vibe and, you know, why, you know, why, you know, take forever changes by love it's, you know, it doesn't work if you take those songs and move them around but it works in that sequence, and things like that may go yes, this, 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 the reasons why I, I did this whole record to begin with is like okay. We're gonna. I'm gonna create something that no matter what happens, I'm gonna be proud of it. I, I hope the band is proud of it, and I think other fans are gonna go, yeah, that's really cool. So, yeah. and um, the 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 my, the friend of mine, uh, George Harold King Jr., who did the liner notes, uh, said uh, that you know this is a record that hopefully people will be listening to in 55
1: years and say this is a good record,
7: uh-huh. and I
1: heartily concur yeah. in that yes. sense hey mark one other thing i don't know if you've heard the album yet but the very yeah. first thing you hear is don Dannerman
3: singing um 60 years or so. when would you when did you record it uh it would have been it, it was a demo that i did in 1959 oh, okay. my, my mom oh, okay. and her my mom and her piano teacher took me into nola recording studios in new york and i sang eight songs just me and a guitar Okay. and uh, the idea was to try and present it to some record company and and uh, maybe have something happen uh, two of the songs I had written and uh, and, and uh, I decided at some point to do a final recording of of the song and and um, and randomly thinking that it was missing I came a- across the vinyl, pressing of those demos Hmm. and so the song actually starts off with my 16 year old recording with record scratching and all and you hear the first verse of this song and it just edits right into the final recording and it's it's a very cool little thing to have happen
0: now i understand (laughs) it well daniel gave me a copy of the album but uh, it was all digital, so it's not on a CD or anything. And I didn't read the liner notes or anything. I just figured I will listen to it just straight through, just purely as I want to hear a g- music and an album and see where it goes. And I was very impressed, and I, I heard little trickery studio trickery like that i said "Hmm, that's I i didn't know it was from 60 years ago or whatever i just figured it was like intentional that it was recorded to make it sound old or something
2: yeah so, it, oh, it
3: was right off that vinyl recording yeah. that like i say i thought it was gone missing and i and i just mm-hmm. came across it one day that's really cool and i i was thrilled to find it <laughs>
4: Very
0: you good. know daniel he
3: might have brought a good point up about maybe we should probably put something
1: on the album um a message or something that just says so you know what you're listening to
7: I think actually in the liner notes, it does say, you know, original recording by Don. I did specify that. So
0: I just didn't read it. So don't go by (laughs) me. Cause like I said, I wanted to just hear the music for itself. I didn't even go by album tracks per se uh, by titles or anything. I just wanted to hear how everything sounded and it had an overall good sound, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's the main thing I was trying to get out of it and see if this yeah. matched up to listening to neon or red rubber ball or anything else. And, you know, it's, it's a good uh, accompaniment, you know, oh, it, it, it works, you know, so. Yeah,
7: thank and... you for saying that. That was, that meant a lot to me. It was like, I wanted this, you know, I wanted it to, to live up to that ball. Are, you know that the circle set in the 60s and i i really do think we we pulled it off
0: yeah and i hope you uh continued success with the additional tracks and coming out with another album it's always good to you know keep that going that momentum going if you have all that the energy and the positive vibes and all that stuff doing all this stuff so you know
7: i've I've, there's been a lot of bands i've worked with through the years that i really wish had gotten to do one more record one more recording and if it means that i get to you know be a part of these guys doing more recordings i welcome it Mm -hmm. Mm, good
0: So now what's next for everybody? I know you're doing other tracks, but I mean, is it, are you out on the road? What's, what's, what's uh, 2023 look like at this point? Anybody can speak or all.
1: (laughs) Well, we we have two more shows in the Michigan market and then the business kind of slows down and just nothing starts to happen again. So we're now out working to get new bookings. We just got something in Florida in the end of March and Mm -hmm. we'll be working throughout the year to get those dates in place. Uh, That itself is not an easy job, but you'd be surprised uh, on it. But but we'll be working a lot on that. But right now, we don't have very much in the 2023 year yet,
0: but we will. And you're willing to tour anywhere in the States or even Canada or wherever. Probably probably the world, but I'm not uh, (laughs) going overboard. I'm just saying, you know, it's like, but uh, you're free to go anywhere you want. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean,
1: I'm speaking for the band, but I still think we have a lot of fun together on the road.
0: yeah yeah Yeah. the after parties are a lot of fun wow (laughs) now now how do you typically travel is it uh in a bus or plane or combination and what do you do it
1: i i it depends on the where we have to go i mean if we have to go from ohio to florida arizona california we we fly Mm -hmm. if it's within our region though it's no big deal to us just to drive and and um i mean we get up there we get a day ahead of time we're all rested by the time the show starts and then we'd have a day to come back home. It's a lot of fun. Plus, I don't know, sound like nerves, but we've been doing some tourists um things. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and we've, fun. you know, yeah, we've seen a lot of stuff that wasn't available to some headmen for being work. Like the Grand Canyon comes to mind in one market mm-hmm. the, and Niagara Falls in another. And those weren't on any of our list of things to see, but because of the circle, we're getting to see all parts of the world we don't normally get to see. Cool. Well, i'm I actually
7: hope... hoping that they get to do some gigs in upstate new york sometime soon because it means i haven't i get another excuse to go home oh yeah. good so, okay where i'm good. from originally so we can talk
1: about that yeah yes yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah i hope certainly. we
0: get some gigs out here on the west coast especially in oregon you know yeah. and mm-hmm. uh you know it'd be nice if you're really local like eugene springfield a lot of people they they somehow avoid us they go to uh san francisco bay area and then seattle and it's like uh, you know because both are like very far away so if you get a a portland gig or something in the middle that'd be great
1: well i think i have your email but if you get a chance i'll I'll write you send me some leads out there and you know we can we can put together a package of acts including of course us cool yeah we get a headliner and things like that for you and if you have pent-up demand that would be great
7: Mm -hmm. all right yeah, and if you get the chance, please see this band live. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and as for me, um, yeah, definitely working on new recordings with these guys next year. I have a couple of books I'd like to finish. Uh, a couple of uh, art, things I've written for other artists. One is kind of my own story of my own strange life um, that a couple universities have, have expressed interest in. And then uh, I'm kind of looking forward to just seeing what happens next. So uh, maybe taking some time off of photography here in charlotte and and see if i can still be a a traveling music photographer (laughs) i've missed it
1: i'm working on a book too mark and i'm telling (laughs) you when i when i finish it i'm going to start reading another one right away
7: (laughs) (laughs) yeah reading is a lot of work
1: it's (laughs) tough
0: (laughs) all right Well, um, that kind of wraps it up a little bit, but uh, I guess the one thing to ask, and anybody can answer or whatever, uh, just um, uh, how does one get in contact with the circle, the website, Facebook, uh, who wants to take it? All of the above. Okay, so (laughs) if you want to promote that, give a quick plug of what the website is and uh, email or anything else like that.
4: Um,
1: The the website is www.thecyrkle.com just what you would think and scotty kind of takes care of that behind the scenes for us our drummer and mm-hmm. and um people can reach out if they have specific questions or such Well, i, I had a hard time finding don dan and when i was trying to build this band back together but they have no problem seeming to find him and <laughs> the fans do so um uh so we can do that and of course facebook is a big tool right now yeah I mean, we, we have uh, we have two facebook pages out there one that somebody put up years and years and years ago and we were able to secure responsibility for it and then we put up the one when the band reunited the set the second of the two is the one that most people go to and we keep our schedules on both but we do a lot of updates and stories etc photos and stuff on that the, the one we created and we would love to get more people to come out and like us we were that number keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then on YouTube there's a lot of video of us out there now. People have filmed us, some is not such good quality, but, but some are real good.
0: And, and the new album, how how does one get that? I mean
1: uh, you can go either circle.com,
7: you can uh, go to I recommend going to their Facebook page and finding uh, there's a couple of links where you can buy the record directly, or you can email the band directly. And uh, stay tuned for more news on that. We hope to have some more information soon. But yeah, please go to circle.com or their Facebook page and uh, buy a record, and we'll be glad you did. Yeah, yeah.
0: And is there any other uh, merchandise or nifty things that you can find on the website, too?
1: On the website? Scotty, we got to talk about that. We gotta get stuff up on the website. T shirts, posters.
4: We, have, we got it all. And, we,
1: and, and at our shows
5: we have all of that, of course. You but email the circle and ask for anything you want. There yeah. you go.
1: Yeah, very
7: cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, one yeah. thing that they did um, create this year was the little red rubber balls. Yeah. You can actually buy, with their logo. Wait, hey, I can get one for you. Hang good. on,
1: I'll be right back with one here. Yeah.
4: Okay,
7: yes. very good. People <laughs> love these things. things, and um, you can even find a couple on eBay, but uh, don't buy them there.
4: <laughs> buy them from the band.
7: So, uh, but yeah, um, it, it's one of those. Pat told me this idea is like, is that really going to work? And my God, it does. So, uh, no figure, <laughs> That's but uh, and that. Uh, Pat, do you have one there? There it is. You know, I'd have
1: never dreamed these things would be important to people, but they are. <laughs> Can you see it the word well? no, It's upside down. But you oh, got okay. It. Sorry about that. They <laughs> look like cankles to me, or something. Is it? <laughs> the, is, is it still upside down? The, it, the, right? the, the, look
0: they look like basketball. Now it's upside down again. It's the, <laughs> yeah. Hey,
3: hey Pat. Yeah, when, Pat, when you held it up, it looked like you were holding up a beach ball. It looked like huge. Yeah. It, it's a little
1: So, right. the
3: ball, here's how you guys think it looks. But yeah. it, <laughs> there you it go.
0: Yeah. The
1: palm of your hand. And they're
0: cute. It's, it's larger than I thought it was. You know, it's like, I, you know, I thought it might be like a red nose, yeah, but it's actually a substantial <laughs> yeah. ball. Yeah.
1: You mean like this?
0: Yes. Yeah, you it can make a red nose out
4: of
1: it. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to go to yeah. CVS and have them. Um, for their or Walgreens for their campaign. I think right, that would be a very good right. idea.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so that's where my head goes is marketing.
0: There
4: you
1: go. and, Target. Uh, and Target. I think Target <laughs> would be a good. One.
0: All so, the possibilities, all the tie ins. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, well, I guess uh, that wraps it up. I mean, if you want, does anybody want to say any final things before we go? Or, you know, that's usually how we wrap up the show, is just sure. have everyone promote and plug. Plug what they got, and uh, we'll take them from there. Well, I've been looking
1: at the screen of people here, and there's no question I'm the best-looking guy.
0: Uh, <laughs> I usually no just have a famous
4: front of on
7: my face. I usually <laughs> that looks a lot better. Wait a minute.
1: Now, does that look like me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we appreciate all the fans. Let me tell you, they are wonderful. Yeah. And, and uh, God bless them all out there and keep telling people about us because a lot of people know the song, but they don't know remember the name of the band. And that could be Alzheimer's. But, but it, it could just be a case of branding also. So we're, we're working on that.
7: But uh, I'll, I'll say this has been a real fun, real joy for me. And like I said, I'm a fan as well. So yeah. uh, please come check out this record. Please come uh, check out their show and uh, stay in touch.
0: Right. Absolutely. Very good. And I'll have to admit, doing these new recordings, being in touch with Daniel has made me a bigger fan. I mean, I knew the song, you know, Red Rubber Ball, yeah. and I knew my Camaro song. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I didn't know much else, you know, and then I kind of went into it deeper and I go, hey, you got some really cool stuff here. So, oh, neat. All right, Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Cool. And I nice look forward to seeing, seeing you, buddy. you. I hope you get out to the West Coast. Uh, we'll try oh, to we make will. some dates up here. And uh, I want to thank everyone. I can mention you real quickly Mike Luskamp. Oh, thank Don you White, for having us on. Pat McLaughlin, Dean Kestron, Scott, Lang- Scott Langley, let's <laughs> say your name correctly, Donald Danneman, and Daniel Kostin. Everyone here from the circle. And uh, I thank you all for uh, having a good show and being on the show on the fun ideas podcast thank you and this is mark arnold and we will see you next time thank you for listening and thank you dan coston and the circle for being my special guests remember you can always watch the video version of this episode on youtube episode 194 will be coming soon if you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com become a patron of mark arnold and fun ideas productions If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew, the Slow Poisoner, Goldfarb, and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. darkest hour